Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, welcome back after another dreaded and long international break. Thankfully it's uh, it's gone now. I think that it's not one for another five months. So we're Bundesliga through and through now, uh, week on week. Uh, back to review another match day, match day 12. Um, of course, uh, really uh, big results at both ends of the table, lots to talk about, um, and we've got a guest again, so uh, lots to get through. Um, of course, this video is uh, done in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Uh, as you can see, I'm sporting an, uh, my fetching Darmstadt uh, t-shirt that came with my latest uh, Bundesliga boxes. And of course, we did a brilliant giveaway with them recently. So go check them out on Twitter or on their website uh, to see if you can get your hands on some last minute Christmas boxes because I know they're going like hotcakes and there's some really good beanies and bobble hats up for grabs. So go check them out. Uh, and of course, if you're new to the channel, welcome along. If you're a returning uh, regular of ours, welcome back as always. Drop a like. Uh, comment along in the in the live section if you can do, and of course drop us a subscribe if possible, uh, and make sure you click the bell icon to make sure you don't miss out on any brilliant shows that we're bringing to you. Um, right, and before we get to bring in our guest, let's quickly run through the scores, and then we'll crack on with the show. So, Mark, over to you with some scores. Yeah, so let's start with the Friday night game. Obviously, Augsburg famously beating Bayern Munich 2-1 at home with a great start to the weekend. Yeah, uh, Dortmund beating Rory's boy Stuttgart 2-1. Another defeat for the uh, Stuttgarters. Yeah, Leverkusen getting a rare win recently, 1-0 over Bochum. Yeah, Gladbach hammering Furt again. Yeah, it's another defeat for Furt now. Obviously, 11 out of 12 games they've lost now. Not the best start to the season, is it? Uh, Hoffenheim with a really, really impressive 2-0 win over RB Leipzig. Yeah, then obviously the draw between Bielefeld and Wolfsburg entertaining game there. Uh, the Berlin derby on Saturday evening ended up in a 2-0 win for Union over Hertha. Then moving on to the Sunday games of Frankfurt, back-to-back -back wins now with a 2-0 win. Impressive 2-0 win in Freiburg, who were previously unbeaten at home. And then, yeah, we ended the weekend with a one-all draw between Mainz and FC Cologne. Yeah, good stuff. So, scores on the doors done nice and quickly. So, let's let's crack on the show and let's introduce our guests. So, uh, we've got a Hoffenheim fan uh, who runs uh, the Twitter account Hoffenheim Fan Club UK. Uh, his name is Ryan, and let's uh, let's bring in him in right now. Let's do it. Good evening, Ryan. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, so, yeah, you're obviously a big Hoffenheim fan. Uh, without, again, spoiling the show, uh, obviously we will talk a little bit about Hoffenheim and Ryan's association with the club. But, yeah, very thankful to have you on uh, this evening, Ryan, uh, for you to give up your time. Um, but, obviously, before we talk Hoffenheim, let's see where they appear in the featured four, of course, they're going to appear in the featured four or else we wouldn't have a Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim fan on. So, Mark, over to you. Let, let's do our, let's start the countdown over to featured four. 
Yeah, so let's start. Obviously, nowadays we do the countdown with uh, our top four games of the weekend. Obviously, we started that a few weeks ago, and we're going to continue with that again today. So, yeah, starting with game four. I mean, it was a pretty entertaining game, wasn't it, really? I mean, it ended up in a 2-0 win for Union Berlin in the uh, Berlin derby. Obviously, this game getting more and more coverage with every single edition that it has, this derby. I think, obviously, we, we did our derby day show, didn't we, uh, I think a year ago now, Rory, and we were saying yep. that... This is a derby that really, really needs to kind of kick off and get more uh, traction, really. Uh, and it's definitely doing so. You know, you saw a full house, obviously, in uh, yep. the east part of Berlin uh, for Union. A great atmosphere at the game, but obviously Union taking the spoils in the end. So, Ryan, well, did you see much of that game and what did you make of it? Yeah, so actually I watched the game with that commentary, um, which is a bit of a, a weird thing to do nowadays. But... Um, Obviously, I haven't got Sky at home, so I had to find some kind of way of watching it. And um, the atmosphere is just what I think what takes that game really well. <clears throat> and um, obviously, the Union fans, are, I think, maybe up there with maybe the best in the league mm. and probably gave them that little bit extra on the day. I don't think that Herfer were really at the race at all. For me, they've got maybe two of the most well-known outside the top four strikers in Piontek and Jovic. Both players I've always rated, but both have never really delivered at any club they've been at. Yeah, very much so. And, and speaking of not really being on the ball, I think we can straight away refer to the first goal of the game coming after nine, ten minutes, a bit of a hopeful ball forward from Union um, and Unfortunately for Paul Dardai, his son was the man to make the mistake, flapping at, at the bouncing ball, uh, trying to go with his stronger foot when he should have gone with his probably his weaker foot in order to clear the ball properly. Bounces underneath, allowing that man, Awonyi, onto the ball, and he makes no mistake um, from just on the edge of the area to, to slot home to make it 1-0. Um, and from there on in, I guess it was fairly... Plain sailing, really, for Union, um, obviously. But let's now kind of talk about, I suppose, the couple of main talking points from this game. And we'll throw it over to you, Ryan, to maybe make your decisions on what you thought about them. So we'll start with the second goal uh, for Union, which is probably the first dodgy bit, I think you can maybe say. Uh, so a corner comes mm. out, swings all the way out to Trimmel, smashes it home. Really great strike. But... There's obviously a VAR check for what looks like to be interference. I'm not sure who the player was, actually, but there's an Union player dangling his foot out, trying to get his foot on it, and he was in potentially an offside position. So we'll just start with that one first, Ryan. What did you think of that? Did you see that as interference and maybe hurt a hard-done bike? When I first saw it, I thought it was going to be a disallowed goal. I thought VAR would really chalked it off, I think. When you watch the Premier League nowadays, they and probably around other European leagues that they care for the goalkeepers too much and probably give them the benefit of doubt. Um, but it was a nice strike, wasn't it? Let's be honest, from yeah. the edge of the area. So yeah, probably probably deserved to have it just based on the strike, didn't he? Um, and so going into half time, two nil, uh, and then just. Before halftime, looks like the game's maybe swinging the other way. Um, probably the most critical part of the game where Herta swinging across, really poorly dealt with by Luter in there, just punches it basically high up in the air. 
uh, and is headed home by uh, Peter Pekarik. Um, but uh, the celebration's put on hold because there's another VAR check, and this one's got a sting a lot because it's then taken all the way back to the start of the move, I think, where it is deemed that Piatek is offside by the skin of his teeth. Um, again, Ryan, that's probably the, the game-changing moment, isn't it? If her to get a goal just before half-time, they can use the momentum and maybe push on and get a result. Yeah, uh, I think, massive. I think that you're 2-1 down at half-time, I think you could probably come back into that. I think 2-0 down is a completely different story. There's three goals that will be scored thereafter, or even two, just for a draw, where mm. one after half-time is OK. I think the goal would have been given maybe two, three seasons ago. Yeah. This season with VAR and last season with VAR, it's just, it's, it's hairs, it's hairs in the way that just, you're offside. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, the rest of the game, Hertha showed maybe a glimpse very early doors in the second half, but after that, it was fairly, fairly plain sailing. Uh, Geraldo Becker could have got a third late on, couldn't he? Um, but, Union looking more and more impressive week on week. Um, Ryan, do you, do you want to maybe just talk about uh, if you're impressed by A, what Union are doing and then B, what what are Hertha doing wrong so much all the time? I think I had Union down last year for bottom of the league. Wow. So that went well. <laughs> and I think this year I had them down as about 14th. <laughs> I think last year I had Union. I think I'd heard for us European. I think this year I had them about ninth. So <laughs> my guess is not very good. So yeah, they're 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 having, I think one's in turmoil and one just a continuing momentum that from last season that just mm-hmm. I know the European form's not brilliant, but they're not used to playing week in two games a week and they have got hard opportunities against especially Feyenoord. Um mm-hmm. If they can keep it up in the Bundesliga and stay top 10, I think they'll be happy with that. Yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, Hertha with such massive kind of uh, hopes behind them and quite a lot of money behind them, do you think it's maybe that it's about time that they change the head coach? They've lost a lot of it. It's like five in four years now for them. I think probably they've got to do it at some point. But mm. when do you say it's too soon to get rid of a manager nowadays? Good question. Right. Moving <laughs> on then. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously at the end of the game as well, there was a lot of crowd trouble, which kind of made the German news as well. I think the Hertha fans were pretty cheesed off, for lack of a better word, with the performance. And at the end, they kind of set off some flares. And I think they even uh, tried to throw a couple of flares on the pitch as well at the end of the game. Obviously, a pretty poor performance all said and done really by Hertha in a, in a big derby like that as well. you know. And I think obviously Hertha fans weren't particularly pleased with what it's seen so yeah a bit of naughtiness so to speak at the end of the game you know you you can't beat that in the derby really but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all part of the experience yeah okay yeah so let's move on to game three of the weekend i mean this was a really entertaining game to be honest it could have been a bit higher up if it wasn't for the other two games as well but yeah i mean bielefeld to uh, wolfsburg 
to really entertaining game. I thought that Bielefeld flew out of the blocks really, really well, you know, and obviously as the German media were calling him, the uh, Patrick Wimmer, the man in the mask, he was wearing one of those kind of face masks, dribbled past about four uh, Wolfsburg players and threaded through a, a beautiful assist really for Okugawa, which I thought was a really, really good goal to open the scoring for Bielefeld. I mean, it didn't look like Wolfsburg were at the races at first at all, did it? I mean, I thought they started really, really poorly in the game. Obviously, Kohlfeldt had won, what, his first three games in all comps. So, yeah, obviously, he was probably looking a little bit worried at halftime when they went in 1-0. Then, obviously, a, a, a slightly soft penalty, I thought, for the foul on um, it was Schürpf. I thought it was a little bit soft, the penalty, personally. But, obviously, Fabian close really, really well, rolling it home. He's, he doesn't do much well, really, in the Bundesliga, but he can take a good penalty, can't he? That's for sure. Fabian close for his third goal of the season. But then, I mean, uh, Ryan, the game just completely turned at 2-0, didn't it? It was just uh, turned on its head, really, this one. I think the problem is with... Well, not a problem, but I think the thing with Wolfsburg is that they have got star players in their team still, like Waghorst and Baku can turn games in their heads in an instant. And obviously, mm. he was there for obviously the goal. And um, Lucas was obviously there for the second. And it just speaks volumes to the kind of there's a difference between class between um, Bielefeld and Wolfsburg. And now I think that's what's told in the second half. Yeah, I think the substitution of Dodi Lukabakio as well. I thought he was brilliant. I mean, actually, Wolfsburg, both of Wolfsburg's goals were class, to be honest. You know, the assist that Lukabakio got for the vague horse tapping, I thought was really, really quality. You know, a player that's not always done it. And I think a few people were a bit shocked when Lukabakio signed for Wolfsburg from uh, Hertha Berlin, really, you know, in the summer. But I mean, I think he has been pretty good in recent times, especially since uh, Kohlfeld came in. And then Rory... How good was the equaliser? That was a great goal, wasn't it? Oh, smashing finish, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so more good work um, by another substitute. So this time it was uh, Philip who um, who put in Nemecha to and blast it past um, Ortega in net. You know, cracking finish that to make it two two, and then. Obviously, the momentum is with the away side and Ortega, steady as always, important, vital, you know, whatever word you want to use. He is irreplaceable for Bielefeld, isn't he, really? So, um, you know, just goes to show the importance of having a good goalkeeper and that can be the difference. Um, Ryan, Ryan, what do you think about Bielefeld's chances? Um Obviously, another good point, but it's so many games that they've drawn. Um, I think it's, I think they're, a joint highest amount of, of draws with uh, with Frankfurt and Colm, I think with six. Um, so it's obviously those those crucial extra points that they're missing out on. I think you're looking at it, there's one other space available really for automatically relegation. And it'll be a battle between those teams who goes down, who can mm. hold their nerve. Obviously, Bielefeld will had it last season, so whether they can do it again two seasons in a row. Obviously, Augsburg have been doing it for God knows how long they've been doing it for. Yeah. Donkey's years, and they seem to be doing it. So, who knows? I think it's between them and Augsburg still in my eyes. I'm glad you didn't say uh, Stuttgart there, right? <laughs> um, hopefully, when we get excited. 
hopefully when we get Kalajic back, we'll be banging in the goals left, right and centre. We'll see. Um, but yeah, unfortunate for Bielefeld, but as you quite rightly mentioned there, Ryan, quality does tell and, and they got hit twice very quickly, unfortunately, and probably, uh, obviously, like I said, had Ortega to thank for getting them a point. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on now um, to game number two and let's see who it is. Yeah, just another point as well. I think one of our regulars as well has given us a nice comment as well. Yeah, uh, patriotic uh, Irish BVB said, yeah, he doesn't rate any BSC. Obviously, Hertha Berlin, he means by Middlestadt and young Dardai, the centre-half, obviously who made the mistake for the first goal, but he does look quite promising. Maybe stark to a push. The rest of the team is poor, so I can't blame the gaffer Dada. Yeah, I mean, they do seem to be one of those sides, you know, they spend quite a lot of money, but most of the signings don't come good. That's the problem with them, you know. I mean, it seems like whoever they sign, they're a little bit of a poison chalice, really, aren't they? I mean, I think, as Ryan said earlier, they do have some pretty high-profile players like Piotek and Jovetic and the like. But, I mean, they just don't seem to do it for them on a regular enough basis, do they? And, I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, they're just one of those clubs that just don't seem to be able to push on and really make any progress. That's the problem with them, really, you know. But it could be partly to do with the team. I agree that Middlestadt is a good player. I do like him as well. But, I mean, the rest of the team just kind of, you know, just kind of underperform week in, week out. Obviously, the occasional good performance, but it tends to be more missed than hit, let's just say, with uh, Hertha Berlin. Okay, yeah, so let's let's move on to our uh, second game, and it is Ryan's team as well. It's going to be Hoffenheim versus RB Leipzig. I mean, from, from a neutral watch in this game, I mean, I've got to say, what a performance from Hoffenheim. I thought they were absolutely brilliant in this game. And to be honest, 2-0, it should have been a lot more, shouldn't it, Ryan, really? We beat close 5-0, and I still think this is our best performance of the season. Yeah. I think it speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were really, really good. I mean, obviously, the first goal was a mistake by Peter Golazzi, the uh, Leipzig goalkeeper, you know, coming straight from the corner and then your big centre-half just headed it home, didn't he? But then I thought after you got the goal to go 1-0 up, I thought you were absolutely brilliant in the game, to be honest. it's uh, Yeah, it's, it was a great performance. Any players really stood out there, Ryan? Any performances for you from Hoffenheim players that stood out? Uh, for me, I think it was more the team as a whole. I think that... Obviously, De Boer and um, uh, Ruta coming in for obviously Kramerich and um, Bangarner was a massive thing. They're they're two of our most important players. And they're out of the team, and yeah. the two that coming in performed to such a high standard that you didn't feel like you were missing two players. You felt like actually these players would probably do it without them going forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quite rightly mentioned um, the the amount of players that you were missing. Um, obviously, not only were you missing Cramerich, Baumgartner, Scoff, and Rudy as well, who have had their you know their you know good games in the Hoffenheim shirt. Um, so you know, obviously, looking at the game, RB, I think I've read it as you know RB Leipzig didn't turn up and they were lackluster. But I think you'd like to maybe give more credit to Hoffenheim and say they didn't allow. RB to do that just goes to show with the second goal that you know they've kind of beaten RB at their own game a high press which is done brilliantly by Dabur who obviously is a player that came in to the uh, into the match day uh, 11 and, and finishes off really well to make it 2-0 uh, and as Mark said it probably could have been way more than two um, so obviously with that in mind uh, Ryan th yep. these two are, we kind of said in our 
prediction show on Thursday. These two uh, are often quite difficult to predict in terms of what you might expect from them both. So, obviously, let's forget RB Leipzig for now. We're here to talk about Hoffenheim and, and your team. Yeah. So, what makes them such a hard prospect to play against at home? And then let's talk about their inconsistencies after that. I don't know what is with home. I couldn't tell you what the main thing is to do with home. I think that there's just momentum at home at the moment. Yeah. Because the squad at the moment, it just it changes from week to week. You don't know who's injured, who's not injured. You watch a press conference and someone new's injured. Someone's nearly getting match fit. Um, so I think that's the main thing for us would be if we had a full-strength squad the whole season, which we haven't had since. Two seasons ago, really, I think last season yeah. we, we, were, we had many COVID cases that knocked players out, obviously, for a long, long time. And the season before we got into Europe, so if we had a full strength side, would we be pushing? On paper, yes, I think I think we'd be pushing for European football, maybe not Champions League, but maybe I think possibly Europa League or Conference. Good stuff, uh, and so. Obviously, quite rightly say, I think our Hoffenheim squad full strength looks really dangerous on paper. Um, going forward, obviously, uh, look quite dangerous. There are a few players that, for me, kind of are quite hit and miss. Um, one enigma that comes to mind is Elas Bebu. Uh, me and Mark often have kind of uh, moments where we're cursing him because he does a lot of things so well and then he gets to the last minute and he either fluffs his lines or does something silly. So um, is there an over-reliance is what I'm getting onto. Is there an over-reliance on Kramerich to produce either a goal or a, an assist, which has been more of the case in, in terms of assists this season? I can't speak enough of De Boer. The back of my shirt got De Boer on it. <laughs> um, I think that I think he's a, a natural goal scorer for me. He's a player that he won't... I, I, and obviously Saturday, he won the ball back and scored a lovely goal. But you don't normally see him do that from season to season. He's just a goal that kind of pokes his goals. Kramich obviously does a lot more for the team. Um, mm -hmm. Going forward, Kramich is the last year of his contract. If we don't get that signed, are we in a little bit of trouble? Potentially, I think we will be in a bit of trouble. But then Ruta is a player that is coming through the ranks that can potentially fill that spot after, obviously, the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, and then a couple more questions before we move on. So, for me, I, I want to know your thoughts on the current head coach. Um, so, Sebastian Hernes, um, he, at one point that season, he looked like he was gone, uh, but then he got backed and he went on a good run of form. Hoffenheim went on a good run of form and has kind of forgotten about. So, do you see... Hernes's job being under threat by way of a say, you know, a bottom half finish this season, or do you think it would take a little bit more than that to see him gone? I think a bottom half finish would see him gone. I think last season was a test for him, and we should have done better in Europe. Obviously, Mulder, I think on again on paper, obviously football's a Games, nothing uh, table can happen on the day, but we should be winning those games against lower league teams. Basically, um, I think we got 
12th, 13th underneath that. I think his job will seriously be under scrutiny, to say the least. I think if he started losing a few games, which he does, and then wins one or two, he kind of picks up again and then it gets forgotten about. Yeah. Um, uh, well, last question on the head coach then. If it's not Hoenes, who would you like to see in the job? Who do you think can take Hoffenheim to the next level if there is one achievable? I don't know. That's like picking a rabbit out of a hat nowadays. If we start getting, <laughs> start getting really deep down there, maybe Big Sam could do a job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Final question then uh, on Hoffenheim. Whilst we've got you here, Ryan, we always like to ask our guests just really on the reason we know why they ended up supporting the team that they do. So, Ryan, uh, you know, the thing you were kind of talking about before we went live, would you like to share with everyone how you ended up becoming a Hoffenheim fan? Yeah. Uh, so, basically, in 2014, I went travelling around Australia and I lived with a German guy and we stayed up until the early hours of the morning watching the World Cup in Brazil. Uh, 2016, that was, so it would be 2016, <laughs> many years ago it was. Um, and then we just swapped teams from then. And from then on, I've supported Hoffenheim and he supported my English club, which is West Ham. That is, that is a, you know, a good trade, I'd say. Um, certainly uh, in terms of, well, the the joy that he'll be getting from West Ham at the moment, certainly. Um Maybe, Ryan, you've been suffering the inconsistencies of, of Hoffenheim since. <laughs> no, it's been a few years there. West Ham haven't been very good. And Hoffenheim have been in Champions League. I think I'm a bit more lucky than you in the last well, few yeah. years. Uh, yeah, very true. Um, good stuff. We've just got a couple of comments that have come in here um, just to go through before we move on to game number one of um, the of the match weekend. So let's just start off with... Uh, John's question here has come in, uh, so we'll just we'll just throw this over to you, Ryan. Um, so, what's the best ground you've been to in Germany, and why, uh, if you have, of course? And which ground do you most want to go to for a game? Um, so, Ryan, over to you. Have you been to many games in Germany to see Hoffenheim at all, or or kind of any grounds that stick out to you in general? Uh, yeah, me and my dad went over there for a big weekend a few years ago. Lovely. And um, my favourite ground was actually Stuttgart. Oh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a great time over there. I thought the, the fans were great and accepting, and really, honestly, the atmosphere was brilliant down there. And compared to England, I think you get match day experience wise, you have a really good time. We really, really enjoyed it. Perfect. <laughs> Glad to hear it. What, what's on your bucket list then, Ryan, in terms of grounds that you haven't been to then? Um, well, we have, me and my cousin have got a flight booked out to Berlin in January. So, all goes Very well. Nice. We'll be over to the Union game versus Hoffenheim. Going well, obviously, everything's going on. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, that would be a cracking atmosphere uh, for you to enjoy. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, you got, you've got any uh, any grounds on your bucket list to tick off? 
Probably be. Easy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I have been to a few grounds over here in Germany. I've got to say that like Allianz Arena is like really impressive. Yeah, in terms of like aesthetically, the Allianz is like really, really an impressive stadium. Obviously, my number one stadium has to be FC Nuremberg. You know, I mean, there's no. I've also actually seen. Uh, I've I've never been to a game at the SAP Arena, Hoffenheim Stadium, but I've seen the ground. It's like it's literally a, a weird one because it's in the middle of like a village, basically Hoffenheim. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's not near a big city. Like you're just driving on the motorway. In, in Germany, and you just see like a massive stadium on your right side, and it's the SAP Arena. Is it still called the SAP Arena? Or at least it was then. Uh, but it's, um, it's yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting. Really, they obviously they hosted Champions League football. Obviously, Dietmar Hopp like kind of building up the the owner of SAP. Obviously, building up the club. But it's yeah, it's quite an interesting one, really, because I think there's no kind of equivalent in England, really, just like a kind of village club in the Premier League, you know. So yeah. it's. Uh, it's kind of a special thing, really, Hoffenheim, really. It's, um, yeah, but I'd, I'd have to say the Max Morlock Stadium in, in Nuremberg, of course, because I am an FCN fan, you know. <laughs> Obviously, we're not in the Bundesliga now, but, yeah, hopefully next year we will be. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. Over to another question from Chris, um, more of a visual question. So, don't know if it's been asked before this season, but uh, which team has the best or nicest home kit? Uh, this season um there's a few nice ones out there i tend to say i quite like freiburgs um quite quite a fresh number um i'm not sure what other ones really stand out for me dortmund usually have good ones um i'm I'm actually quite a fan of stuttgart's one this season it's quite fresh and clean cut um ryan do you like your kit this season yeah, I think they're always. A, I think Joan would do one of the best kits. I think it's a small little number. I think apart from import tax, I'm not going to be getting that anytime soon. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I think that Frankfurt's kit's always a classic, smart kit for me. I always really, always quite a little bit special. Yeah, good stuff, Mark. What's your favourite this year? For me, I go with Leverkusen. I always like Bayer Leverkusen's kits. I don't know why, but I think the, like the black and the red just kind of, I don't know, it goes yeah. together well. I just really like Bayer Leverkusen's kits. Yeah, so I always think it's a smart one. Even back from like years ago, they've always had pretty nice kits for me. Yeah, very yeah. true. I think uh, I've got a Leverkusen, Leverkusen kit from last season, yeah. the red and yellow one, quite fresh, yeah, actually. It is nice. Yeah. Um, right, a couple more questions uh, to come in. One or two uh, both come in from two different people, but uh, we'll just use we'll use Steve's um, question coming in here here for Ryan. Um, so out of interest to you, Ryan, what attracted you to Hoffenheim? Obviously, we've heard the story that you just swapped teams effectively. 40k city stadium in a town of 10k population, sponsored by the most frustrating computer softwares in the world. Um, so, what what would you say to this, Ryan? What you know? Other than the kind of swapping, what kind of attracted you to Hoffenheim? Um, I think that it's an underdog, an underdog story, really. I think that people will point to uh, Hop's obviously investment, but I think if you look at the transfers, which obviously I've done a piece on before, that you will see that there is money going out of the club from transfers that is investment-wise very profitable. And I think it's a very well-run club. So an underdog story for me is always a bit more attractive than, I don't know, a Bayern or a 
Dortmund, last time without getting slandered. You're allowed to say that, Ryan, not a problem. You can, you know, defend your team, absolutely. Um, but, you know, obviously in response to that, um, you know, about Hoffenheim being maybe not one of the most popular teams in Germany, yeah. you know, would you say that, you know, it can just be personal preference, can't it? And, you know, if you're a Hoffenheim fan, you're there as a fan and to enjoy the club and, and possibly see it go forward and stuff. So I guess you're just happy yeah, being, yeah. I guess you're just happy being part of the journey. Um, Righty ho, one more question I think we've got here from uh, Matteo. Uh, so thank you for your question, Matteo. Apart from Olmo and Angelino, who is the best Spanish player in the Bundesliga? Ooh. Ask a good question, actually, Matteo. Um, I don't think there's, I don't think the league is flooded with loads of Spanish players, is it really? Um Obviously, Olmo and Angelino are probably standout players. Um, yeah, struggle to think of. I think last year I would have said Santa Maria from Freiburg, but obviously he yeah. got sold, didn't he, in the summer? Yeah, he was a really good player. I think he went to a French club, I think, in the end. But, yeah, he was a Spaniard who was pretty impressive. But I, I'm not sure where, where he ended up going to in the end. But, it's um, yeah, I liked him. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, can you think any of any off the top of your head? I'm, I'm struggling, to be honest. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of many Spanish players in the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there well, aren't many at all. No, sure, unfortunately, there aren't many. Matteo, maybe we should start pushing to see more Spanish players in the Bundesliga. Of course, technically brilliant, um, especially Olmo and Angelino. They're brilliant additions uh, to to the league. Uh, they bring a lot of technical brilliance. Um, obviously, both play for the same team as well. So. Maybe we need to start pushing to see a few more Spanish players in the league. Um, Doobie-doos, I'm not sure if we've got any other any other questions coming in. I think we've just got a couple more comments. So we'll move on. We'll get the, the first, uh, first game of our Features for done and dusted. Then we'll move on to the talking point of the week. Yeah, so I guess there's no better game to choose this week, obviously, than probably the shock of the season so far. Maybe one of the biggest shocks since we've been doing the Bundesliga show, you know. I mean, Augsburg, who started the game 17th place. I mean, they've, to be fair, they have been improving the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they got that win over Stuttgart, and then they narrowly lost in Wolfsburg last the week before the internationals. But nobody saw this one coming, did they? Obviously, this amazing 2-1 win over multiple reigning champions by Munich, top of the league. And they were looking really, really good, weren't they? But, I mean, what what a performance from Augsburg. I mean, they managed to win this game with 20% possession, you know. So, I mean, it just proves that possession isn't everything, you know. But, I mean, the first goal, I guess, it comes from, like, a poor clearance, really, doesn't it? And then that man, Peterson, it's a good finish, actually. He kind of drills it low. past the goal. Just thinking, you know, I mean, for me, the celebration from Weinsor, the Augsburg manager, was a little bit over the top, to be honest, in some ways, because it was like, you know, I mean, it was a goal to, to go in front, but there were only 23 minutes on the clock at that time. And it was like, you were thinking, come on, Bayern is still probably going to win 4-1, you know. But I mean, um, Ryan, they, they managed to hold out and get an amazing win, didn't they, really? Yeah. I, yeah, I think for them, it's probably one of the best results they've had in the last few years. It's nice to see Resops are doing well. As I said, I'm a West Ham fan and um, <laughs> he's one of our own, I'd say. <laughs> oh, again, a little, little name drop in there for him. Um, 
I think overall, I think Bayern Munich have shown glimpses of this, though. Um, I've watched them quite a lot in Champions League when they've played Benfica in the last two games, and they have let them have chances, and it just mm-hmm. takes a team to take a chance. And they took their first chance, and that was it. That's all they needed, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, second goal coming from another good cross by Iago, who had a really good game, actually whipping in some very dangerous uh, balls um, headed home by Hahn. Um, another case, though, of uh, another team. There's loads of injuries in the Bundesliga in general, actually, mixed in with, you know, the COVID situation, um, of course, about non, non-vaccinated players. But, you know, Augsburg were without Ruben Vargas, Finn Bogerson and Niederlechner. So, obviously, none of them have really done it. But they're, generally speaking, the three players that you'd look to goals in Augsburg and they're all missing and they still obviously get uh, the important wins. So, fair play to them. Um, and, well, you know, well done to them for responding after they went 2-0 up. Uh, Bayern did what they did and got back into the game very quickly. So you're kind of assuming me and Mark were chatting, saying, you know, 2-1 now, assume it's going to be a 4-2 win, 5-2 win. But they did a fine job. Uh, I think Davis uh, came close a couple of times when he came on. Um, but um, the keeper, Gikovic, um, I think mm-hmm. in net, did a fine job. They held out for a famous win to reignite their season, reignite the title race. Um, so it was obviously a fine performance from them. Very quickly, uh, before we move on to the topic or talking point of the week, Ryan, uh, we always like to ask this, um, title race, talking of it, only one point in it right now. Are you going to back Bayern uh, as this being a blip or do you think Dortmund might be able to smell a bit of blood? No, I think season's over already. I think Dortmund... uh... (laughs) They might have they might have won this weekend two one, but I think they're missing too many players at the moment, and they always have a blip during the season that is two or three games long, whereby and have one blip, which is a game game, and that's it. I think they will just probably come back next week and probably win six nil. For me, that's that's what I think. Yeah, they do always respond very well, to be fair. Um, you know, when they lost to Gladbach, shockingly, in the, the Pokal, they came back and showed their class. Um, maybe goes to show how vulnerable they are without their general midfielder uh, in the shape of Joshua Kimmich. Um, obviously, he was missing. So, bit of a blip, but well done to Arlsberg. Fine defensive display. Um, and, yeah, very much needed win. Uh, they, quite rightly... As uh, patriotic Irish says, um, they shafted a lot of people on fantasy football. I I also gambled on my fantasy team and having a lot of buying players, which did not work out, uh, which, of course, we'll go through on Thursday's show. Um, Steve Irons, very quickly, uh, said, bit of a West Ham link here for you, Ryan. Mine's also called the Irons. Is that correct? Um I know mine's as the 05ers. Mark, is that another nickname? No, I don't believe it's correct. No, I, I okay. not that I know of. No, I mean, it could be. Yeah, the, the main uh, nickname is the Null Thumpers, which basically means like the 05ers or the yeah. Carnivalsverein, which is like right. the carna- the carnival club, because I think mine's is known as like the car- the carnival capital of Germany or something, mm-hmm. along with Cologne as well. Like Cologne and Mainz, they have like carnivals like every year. And yeah, they're known as like the carnival club as well. But I, I don't know about them being 
called the irons but maybe someone knows something else that i don't <laughs> yeah quite possibly we're always uh open to to hearing new things we'll have to look into that um righty home that that is our featured four done so that can very swiftly move us on to uh this week's bundesliga boxes talking point of the week um so this week uh we've decided to go with the lines of can frankfurt uh turn around their season so after back-to-back wins um in between the international breaks frankfurt now have climbed up to uh 11th in the table i've claimed obviously two wins in the last two games uh, adding to only one before that. Um, so very quickly, let's kind of just get the general feelings uh, on, you know, on, on both sides of, of the panel this evening. We'll start with you, Ryan. What, what do you reckon to Frankfurt? Were you expecting more from them this season? Yes and no, because I think that, I don't think they've got a striker that will score them the goals that they have in the past. They've always had a leading man that's going to score them 12, 15 goals a season, where I don't think they've got that this season. I, I think that defensively, they're quite stern. Um, obviously, the draws are saying that as well, but um, yeah. it's whether they can turn it around, I think. Let's see how many... I don't, I don't know who they've got next. If they can win two, two three games in a row, then I think that Yes, the momentum's going to be behind them. They're only actually two points behind us. So they're also not having a bad season, but they're not having a brilliant season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, speaking of the the, the run of fixtures that they have, so I, I looked into it. So they do have a tough run of fixtures coming ahead. Uh, so their next six are only on Berlin, Hoffenheim, Leverkusen, Gladbach, Mainz and Dortmund. Um, so, obviously, on paper, that's quite intimidating. But on the other side of it, Mark, if you win four out of six of those games, they're obviously teams that are immediately above you. Then the momentum can quickly shift and then you can feel like a team that's dangerous again. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible they could. Uh, it depends on, first of all, what you mean by turn the season around. You know, I mean, obviously, the start of the year, they would have been looking for European places. Probably not Champions League, but I would say Europa League slash Conference League would have been the goal, which means they'd have been going for like that fifth to seventh kind of positions. Probably the same kind of area as what Hoffenheim would have been going for as well. I think in that regard, I wouldn't say that they'll they'll get four wins out of six from those games, to be honest. Because if you look at the squad, it does look quite significantly weaker than last season, to be honest. You know, I mean, obviously the main loss was Andre Silva. He's a massive loss, you know. But I mean, also Eunice as well. He was also a really good player from last year. He had periods where he was pretty much unplayable. But he ended up signing for like some, I think, team in Dubai or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Saudi Arabia or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit shocked to see that because I thought he was really, really good. Obviously, Jovic, they managed to get on loan the second half of last season. They didn't manage to get him back despite trying. I mean, obviously, Rafael Bore was the, the kind of replacement for um, Silver. And I can understand why they went in for him. You know, a similar kind of striker in some ways, but he's not really done it, let's be honest. I mean, he did get the winner at Furt two weeks ago, but I mean, let's be honest, scoring against Furt isn't exactly like, you know, like a world beater, really. I mean, I, he is improving slowly but surely, but I don't think he's going to be that kind of Andre Silva level striker. I mean, Jesper Lindstrom was like the big signing over the summer, really. I, I think he's improving slowly but surely. Yeah. 
And I think also Daichi Kamada has had a much better last two or three games. I mean, he was so key last season, wasn't he? He had yeah, a really, really poor start to this season, but I think he's starting to play a lot better. But obviously the main man nowadays is that man, Philip Kostic. And I mean, he is like, for me, one of the best players in the Bundesliga, to be honest. And I was a little bit surprised he didn't get the move over the summer. But I think much depends on him, really, whether they do manage to turn the season round. Righty-ho. So if we were going to say then that Frankfurt season being turned around would mean coming seventh place, let's just go around the table uh, and say whether they think yes or no, they will achieve that. So I'll start and say I don't think they'll come seventh and effectively turn the season around, if that's what we're saying. Uh, right, Ryan, would you think that they'll be able to achieve that this season? No, but I think maybe tenth and above. Tenth, maybe. Yeah, not a problem, Mark. What do you reckon? Would they come seventh? No, I would say probably between like ninth and eleventh kind of area, I would say, for them. Absolutely, yeah. I think a lot of it will, of course, depend on the form of Kostic, Kamada and Dicker and, and Trap, that kind of core, won't it? Um, so, yeah, that, that's the end of... Uh, our talking point of uh, the of the week. Um, very quickly, before we close up the show, got another brilliant question in from Peter McRobert, um, who has asked Ryan, um, who uh, in a future match between Hoffenheim and West Ham, who wins? Uh, so over to you, Ryan. Who does win? Well, West Ham lost 1-0 to Wolves at the weekend, but have been fl- flying high pretty well recently. Um <laughs> Hoffman on haven't been flying as high, but one at Leipzig at the weekend, so um tricky. I'm on a Bundesliga show, so I should probably say Hoffenheim, but um <laughs> thinking Dan, I am gonna play West Ham at the moment. <laughs> I think they yeah, they've got strong tricky question being put on the spot, yeah. but I like it. <laughs> very good question by Peter. Thank you very much uh for that. Um so pretty sure that that'll bring us to a close this evening um so our thanks very much so to ryan for uh spending his precious time with us uh on a monday evening so ryan thank you very much uh for your first appearance and hopefully we'll get you back in the future to be talking about high flying hoffenheim maybe later on the season or, or next season we'll have to see but thank you very much for coming on this evening's show thank you very much i'll probably see you at the end of next season and win the league <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Over to you, Mark, to close up the show. Yeah, so if you enjoyed what you saw today, remember to check us out on Twitter. Obviously, we go live onto Twitter as well nowadays, so it's good to see we get pretty good numbers on there as well on our Twitter stream. So, yeah, tell your friends about it if you enjoyed what you saw. Obviously, as you can see at the bottom of your screen, at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Yeah, also remember to check out our main site as well, which is otbfootball.net. You can see also we do a lot of written articles as well. Remember, I think, Ryan, you actually write for us a little bit, right, as well? Yeah, I've written a few pieces on my um, page, so I can send them over. Oh, on your own page as well, yeah. So remember, yeah, also check check that out as well. Do you want to introduce what your own page is, Ryan, as well? Uh, It's just on on Twitter handle, which you can find them all there. If you're on the transfers and a bit on... Cramerich and um, De Boer. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you can see, I, I believe this is your uh, Twitter as well, right? At, over, at Hoffenheim yeah. U. So, yeah, if you want to follow, uh, obviously, Ryan on there, yeah, Ryan of Hoffenheim Fan Club UK. 
at Hoffenheim U. So you can check out all of his articles about the club on there. Yeah. And obviously also remember to check out um, the rest of our productions as well, which is obviously League One and League Two show. And yeah, obviously like, comment and subscribe below. We have been slowly kind of improving our subs as well. I think we're up to around 400 now, right, Rory? So obviously, yeah, we're, we're getting there slowly but surely, you know. it's um, yeah. But thanks again to Ryan for joining us for the show, yeah. Hope to see you again soon. And yeah, see the rest of you guys on Thursday for our fantasy football and predictions. So see you then. See you then. Cheers all. Cheers. Give a like.